You know it, right? Join me. Indiana Jones, right? Coming back, right? This next summer. We're so excited for that. CGI for Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Six months away. Longer than summer will last. For those of you that are watching at home, we've applied a CGI filter to give me the facial appearance of my 35-year-old self, <laughs> which is 25 pounds heavier, more hair, less gray, smoother skin, and an oversized raspberry-colored sweater. You're welcome. I was swimming recently, not uncommon, in Belize, name-dropping. Yes, please. Here, let me pick that up for you. Oh, good for you, John. You were in Belize. It was the mouth of the ATM cave. No, it's not a place where you get money. It stands for Atun Munichel Muknal. And if you speak Maya, please correct me because I probably slaughtered it near San Ignacio, Belize. You start off by a 45-minute walk where you cross the river a couple of times before you get to the entrance in which you swim to the first obstacle. I kid you not. You swim to the first obstacle, and then the instructions are very precise, okay? You lead with your head facing this way. So I'll give you the side profile. So you lead like this, and it's a really tight, tight squeeze, right? It's a tight fit, okay? You lead with your head, and then your body follows, and you're kind of like this, and then you turn your head just very gently because right here, there's like a sharp outcropping of rock that just you barely grade. It's like, it's like a really close shave. Then you turn your head and then your body goes out and your head follows. And that's the first of a few obstacles, a half a kilometer of swimming, scrambling, wading, stalactites, stalagmites. Which are the ones that hang from the ceiling? The tights. Before a 20-foot scramble up to an area that is best described, and I kid you not, you feel like you're in the Indiana Jones movie, an underground sanctuary. Literally, it's known as the Crystal Sepulcher. Do you know this place? Some of you may be like, why are you talking about a Maya underworld place in Christmas Eve? Okay, well, that's a fair story, fair question. The Crystal Maiden is who you discover. And she is one of 14 sets of human remains in a space that was used by the Maya as a connection point to the underworld. It's crazier than you can possibly imagine, and you can go there. It was only recently discovered by 25, about 25 years ago. Once you leave the ATM cave, you head south on the Hummingbird Highway, and here at mile 29, something amazing happens, okay? Your driver slows down just a little bit, puts the car in neutral, has the foot on the brake. You're on the downslope of the hill. And everyone here is going to say, can't be. But what I'm telling you happened to me, and it happens to anyone who's at mile 29 on the Hummingbird Highway in Belize. Downward slope, car's in neutral, foot's on the brake. You let off the brake, and the car actually backs up the hill. I kid you not. I'm like, how is that possible? And the driver's like, well, we don't know, really know. We're not totally sure. Some people say it's an optical illusion. It's really not a downslope. But I'll tell you something. I know a downslope from an outslope. It was a downslope. But the belief is there's this magnetic pull, this magnetic draw underneath. If you're looking for a good idea for your next novel, this is it. Mile 29 of the Hummingbird Highway. It is there for you. We'll get back to that in just a little bit. 
Luke chapter 2 is where we find ourselves today. And as Lee alluded to and talked about the candles already, hope, peace, love, and joy. And I want to tell you, I want you to know more than anything else before you leave today that these things are available to you. This notion of hope. Can we look beyond ourselves? Can we want? Can we hope? Can we dream? Can we wait for the work of God? Can we hope for something, the right thing, even though it might feel far off? Peace, the prince of peace, which suggests there might also be a prince of unpeace. Whom do we follow? Do we follow the prince of peace? Remember this from a couple weeks ago. We all laid on the floor, or at least a couple of us did, this idea of peace, letting the peace of Christ enter our lives. This notion of joy. Joy isn't happiness. Happiness is something that we can create ourselves. Joy is rooted in the work of God. And because of God, God has done for us, we can experience joy and this notion of love, the total commitment to the betterment of another, that when God wanted to change the world, what did He do? He decided to love. Now, it's very in vogue to speak about Ukraine, and while I lack the ability to converse on all the geopolitical factors, realities, and uncertainties, here's what I know. I have friends who have lived in Poland, Dan and Laura, for their entire work lives, they have talked to Jesus about, to anyone who is willing to listen. They have extended their efforts years ago into the Ukraine. They speak the language, and they have a team of individuals that they work with in Ukraine who tell people about Jesus. So last spring, when the aggression against the Ukrainian people started, our friends and their friends were deeply affected. And so we gave money. We gave money because it was a thing that we could do at Timberwood Church we gave money so they could buy supplies for refugees flowing into Poland and so they could buy a van to transport goods into the Ukraine and get people that were handicapped out of Ukraine. We gave money so they could hold a retreat to allow their Ukrainian staff to process the horrors of war and know that they were loved. And we gave money so they could buy generators that would power their homes and churches when missile attacks took out the infrastructure. And I know this sounds like it's about money, but it's not. And I know some might be tempted to say, oh, this is, this is all about you bragging about what you've done, which it isn't. What it is, is this. It's an opportunity, right? Opportunities that, that all of us have frequently on a daily basis. Opportunities rooted in our mutual, mysterious, mystical, and flat-out obvious connection to Jesus. That we embrace these ideas of hope and peace and joy and love. That we help friends with the realities of what they are experiencing, whatever that means that we know that most things in life won't be totally solved with our meager resources. But that doesn't let us stop from helping. And in helping, yeah, it kind of feels good to know 
that what we have is being used by someone else and that we might give a gift that cannot be repaid to let a friend know that they are not alone. That we don't have to do it all alone. That it's not dependent on me. And here's where you have a departure from most of the world's religions, including the religion of the Maya culture. The pursuit of, of the divine, the, the pursuit of God, the pursuit of the unseen force always revolves around human effort. And then when it comes to the Christmas story, the departure is obvious because the effort is done by God. So often we live in this world that it's about our human effort that does the job. It's about our human initiative. And we face this a lot, right? How often does someone say, well, he was a good guy, so I know he's going to heaven, suggesting that good guys go to heaven like all dogs go to heaven, which all dogs do go to heaven. Versus the dependence on a Savior. Dependence on the work of God and responding to that. The work of God to which we are invited to receive and participate in. And so these words of hope, joy, peace, and love are words describing the commodities in which God deals, not the commodities that we deal, but the commodities that God makes available for us to experience. Into our world, God tells us that we don't have to fear. In just a little bit in verse 10, you'll hear the angel saying to the shepherds, don't fear. You don't have to fear. It's intriguing to me, right? Don't fear. In essence, allowing fear to be replaced with good news. Some folks say, but you don't know what my life is like. You don't know how much of this stuff weighs heavily in my life, and, and you don't know how powerful fear is in my life. Fair enough. It's intriguing to me in another place, right, how, how people who aren't very good at something will continue to try to do that something, right? And, and then they'll eventually get to the point where they're not very good at it. Or maybe on the front side, they'll realize that they're not very good at it. Say you need knee surgery. Just bring it up on YouTube, right? How to replace a knee. Yeah, unless you have a physician, you probably don't want to be cutting on yourself, right? What if we apply that same mentality to fear? What if we're just not very good at handling fear? Maybe it's something that we should let someone else handle. Are we willing to replace fear with good news. And you may say, again, it's not that easy. You can't just think your way past fear. Maybe, maybe not. But I do know this. If we're not thinking the right way, then it's really hard to get our behavior 
and emotions to follow. Into our lives, God whispers, fear not. Into our lives, God invites us to replace fear with good news. In just a little bit, you're going to hear the phrase, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It both identifies and describes a Savior who is Christ the Lord, a Savior, a person who saves Christ, the chosen one, the one designated by someone else to exercise and do a given set of responsibilities. A Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Lord, a a personal identification that this Savior, this chosen one by God is the one for me. In verse 19 of Luke chapter 2, Mary gives us the very first notion of a person who embraces the Savior in her heart. And here's where the Christmas story takes a decidedly gooey term. How does one have Jesus in their heart? How does one quantify anything? Are there things that are important to us? Sure. Are there things that are more important to us? Sure. Are there things that are less important to us? Yes, of course. And what's the difference? Of the things that are important to us, say that you're a car guy. Maybe you're a kind of guy who really, really loves your cars. Or maybe your wealth is something that is super, super important to you. Or maybe you would say, yeah, those things are important, but something that's more important is my family. And so we would understand that there are more important things and there are less important things. And if you're going to have a more important thing, shouldn't that more important thing have at least some sort of lasting more importantness? Shouldn't it be something more than something that goes away? This last week, there was an article in the Star Tribune written by a guy by the name of Ross Levin talking about investing, right? Fear and investing, how fear and investing, how the last year has been kind of a challenging year. He offers the idea that with all of our resources, we're either going to spend it or give it away. We'll either spend it or we will give it away. We will give it away to a charity, we'll give it away to friends, we'll give it away to the family, or we'll give it away to the government. You'll either spend it or give it away. And how in the article he talks about how about fear and investing and how fear and investing may be rooted in greed rather than something more profound. He says this quote, While some people are lucky enough to get rich quickly, getting rich slowly is far more predictable. But focusing on getting rich is for the ego. The idea of investing is to have the money you want to spend when you want to spend it. Yet this is mostly about differentiating between wants and needs. The less you want, the less money you need. Managing your wants gives you the best chance for having a better 2023. 
spend your life wisely. If you're going to have something that's more important, shouldn't it at least be something that has some sort of lasting more importantness? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You're probably in one of two camps if you're here today. Well, multiple camps maybe. You might want to be here. You may not want to be here. You might be hungry. You might be full. You might have opened presents. You might be waiting to open presents. You might still be trying to figure out this thing called life on your own. Or you might have gotten to the point where you say, no, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What exactly is going on in our lives? Do we allow ourselves to be drawn to the Savior who is Christ the Lord? Do we allow ourselves to embrace the commodities that God deals in of hope and peace and joy and love, even though it's a mixed-up, shook-up world? Are we still trying to do this thing called life on our own, or are we drawn to the Savior who is Christ the Lord? In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. A sign to you, you will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Merry Christmas. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you this afternoon as we celebrate all that is good and holy and sacred and new and family and festive giving and receiving. And for some of us, Father, we're still trying to figure out life on our own. Perhaps today would be the day where we would understand a Savior who is Christ the Lord, making himself available to us, dealing in God commodities. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the Christmas season. Thank you for family and friends. Allow us to know the need that we have for a Savior. The chosen one, Jesus, as our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>